Hello, and thanks for listening to JoJo's Bizarre Podcast. Hey. My name is Mark, and once again, I am joined by Miles. Hello, Miles. Hey. hey. Okay. You're, you don't have to speed run this podcast, Miles. Uh, <laughs> and I'm also joined by Jackie. Hello, Jackie. Jackie, we get it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, move along. <laughs> How is that split, Miles? Are we, uh, are we ahead of schedule? <laughs> Not quite. Oh, <laughs> uh, Okay. Uh, this is a podcast where three people talk about... Um, no, we are JoJo's Bizarre Podcast, a trio of people who talk about the JoJo's Bizarre Adventure television anime series, as well as every other moving visual adaptation of JoJo's. We don't talk about the comic. Moving and, uh, visual. And, uh, you talk sorry. about the comic sometimes. I talk about it, but we're not going to stop and break down all the new panels that came out for JoJo Leon or what have you. Moving True. pictures. But if you want to see, uh, if you want to see something, you can't. If you want to hear our <laughs> our back catalog of coverage of the JoJo TV show and the OVAs and the live action movie that was eh, you can go to anchor.fm slash jjbpod. Um, and these days, while we wait for Stone Ocean to uh, come out and be a thing, we're watching other anime that strike our fancy or are recommended to us by our listeners. Or even sponsored by our listeners. Or sometimes it's stuff that we want to watch. Yeah, sometimes. So that's, that's the striking our fancy. Okay. Um, and so this week we are talking about the 1988 OVA series Gunbuster. Uh, specifically the back half of it. So we'll be talking about episodes 4, 5, and 6. Wait a minute. It came out on my birth year and she's a Virgo? Is this about me? It's about you. That's right. You figured <laughs> it out. Yeah. You somehow, though, went back in time and are therefore not... Well, maybe it's about... Well, no, it doesn't make sense. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, and I have erroneously stated, I somehow got it in my head, that Gunbuster has never come out in the United States. Uh, that is not true. Um, it's come out on VHS and DVD, but it has not come out officially in a long-ass time, and the Blu-ray has not come out officially. So I still stand by uh, my endorsement of just streaming it somewhere technically illegally or whatever or find the where VHS. did you guys do it no don't watch the vhs um why not i torrented uh the blu-ray rip that some nice people uh translated themselves oh cool but, um in case you were wondering yes episode six is in black and white i probably should have given you that warning but i didn't know so i miles did that throw you for a loop the black that. and white it didn't throw me that much I was just like, oh, that's interesting. Like the YouTube comments were like, oh, it was cool that it was in black and white. So I was like, okay, I guess oh, it was okay. supposed to be. Okay, cool. But we'll talk about uh, Gunbuster in more detail in a little bit, probably 20 minutes later, something like that. Uh, because before we cover all of that, we must pay our dues. We must do, we, we must follow our format. And our format means that this is the time when we take a stop in our Gmail G-Buster. And okay. by that I mean we check our inbox for emails from our listeners. You too can be on this podcast, sort of. If you write to jojosbizarrepod at gmail.com, we'll read the shit that you write like so. This email is from Kenny, and the subject line is A Sad Day. Hey guys, you know I love this podcast and the possibility to write to you and share my opinions on anime with so many people on the internet through your voices. But today, I want to say just one thing. Rest in peace, Kentaro Miura. 
Uh, the creator of the Berserk manga just died recently, never being able to finish the great work he started in 1988. Berserk is, in my opinion, the best manga ever created, with JoJo's as a close second. Let's hope our favorite Hamon user Araki lives a long and fulfilling life and will be able to finish the series we all love and enjoy. Sorry for the moody blues. Have a good one, Kenny. P.S. Every time I close my eyes, I wake up and remember that the end of a journey is not always a happy one. Mm. And there is a screenshot of a, panel. a a page page from Berserk where it is Guts talking to, I forget his name, is it like Skull Knight or something. I should probably look it up just so I'm not a complete Maybe asshole. it's Night Skull. No, it is Skull Knight. I remember. Skullamania. I've, it's Skullamania from Street Fighter EX. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I, I I read a ton of Berserk. I just don't remember where I left off. But now I definitely have to, uh, well, I can't finish it, but I, I have to continue it. And it's just uh, Guts and Skull Knight standing at some precipice looking at something. We can't see what. And uh, Skull Knight says, you've reached the end of your journey. And Guts says, what do I do now? Skull Knight says, what does he say? I can't fucking zoom in without moving. God damn computers. You bear witness to the end of your journey. It is not always a happy thing. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Jackie, for the assist. You're welcome. Yeah, so this was a few days ago. Um, creator died at like age 54 of just some kind of heart issue. Just some kind of heart defect. Um, rest in pencil and paper. Yeah, rest in... Mm. I don't remember any locations in Berserk. I remember names of groups and stuff, but... uh. Yeah, it sucks. Berserk is something that a lot of people draw influence from, believe it or not. And yet, uh, most of the things that are this sort of grim, dark uh, aesthetic never quite feel as, I don't know if I want to say contemplative, but something about Berserk feels kind of adult mm-hmm. and solemn. Like it doesn't feel like it's just doing edginess for edginess's sake or anything, even though it does have on paper a bunch of like, sort of dark and gross shit it does feel more like it feels like it's a manga that's more than just let's look at cool drawings which this kind of it would still be worth a lot uh because it does look really cool <laughs> but uh yeah it definitely influenced a lot of artists and um i think that there was beginning to be more and more space between chapters and so it was taking a very long time uh and now it's never going to be finished um, I have heard some people say that Miura knew he was going to die and coached his uh, team on how to finish it, but I, I don't I don't know if that's true. Just like the people who watched the anime hit a crazy cliffhanger, uh, now all of us readers are going to hit the same thing. But if you haven't read Berserk or even just looked at some of the art from it, it's beautiful if you're into that sort of dark and grotesque uh, medieval low fantasy stuff. It's probably the best comic you could look at for that kind of thing. I should have prepared something. Anyway. I don't know. We'll have a moment of silence. You did great. We'll have a moment of silence that in editing I will determine the length of. <laughs> yeah. This email is from Aaron. Oh, the, the subject line is the Patreon bug. Hey, Inuzuma kickers. I hope you all enjoyed the second half of Gunbuster. I was glad to hear Jackie enjoyed the first half. I wanted to find a mecha anime that Jackie would enjoy since she said she wasn't enjoying any of them. What better choice than a show revolving around realistic, flawed women who grow up into complete badasses and save the world 
while sacrificing literally everything except their own lives. The last episode is especially beautiful as it switches to widescreen monochrome. Uh, since my last email, the Discord server has been flourishing. It went from myself and one other user, thank you, Pamela, to more than 20 members, including all three of you. So thanks for the support. I know you mentioned the Discord quite a few times since, so I'll be sure to pop a link into the latest tweet on the Twitter for any listeners that heard about it but couldn't find the link. I think I have caught the Patreon bug. I keep thinking of stuff that would be cool to request. Watch this space for weird and interesting stuff. Adios, gang. P.S. Gunbuster music makes me horny. Yay! Shoutouts to the Discord. If someone mentions it in an email, we have to shout it out. Shoutouts to the Discord. Yes. There, it's unofficial. <laughs> there is an unofficial uh, JoJo's Bizarre Podcast Discord. But, but we're, we're also fans of ourselves, so we have joined. <laughs> we're also in there, but we will deny that ever happening if anything goes wrong in that Discord. It's we not are not fault. responsible. We don't know. We're not responsible for the drama. We're, you know what? There's we're not no even drama. responsible for this podcast. <laughs> I've decided that too. Even though we okay. do control all of this, we're not responsible. If, we, if you don't like something we say, I don't. who said that? No one knows. It's, it's someone <laughs> else's fault. Okay. Um, I don't know if I agree, but okay. Uh, Miles, would you like to read the last email? Yeah. Uh, this email is from Chad, and the subject line is Gunbuster to the top or All My Friends Are Dead. Mm. Aloha, JJB Pod Ohana. If you're like me, you may have experienced a wide variety of emotions traversing the last three Gunbuster OVAs. I laughed, I cried, and cringed. So much fan service in episode five. Maybe too much. Um, thinking back, I realize now that I've never actually seen the last two episodes since the blockbuster I rented from only the first two VHS tapes. So for me, it's all, almost, it's been almost 30 years between episodes four and five, which feels on theme for the series, I guess. It's true, time. Mm. Uh, I've got a couple more voice connections that I wanted to share for Gunbuster. Uh, Asuka Langley Soryu prototype Jung Freud. Did you notice her name was misspelled as Freud in episode six? Not too surprisingly shares her voice with the tragic mother of Asuka Langley Soryu mm. from Evangelion. Smith Torin, Noriko's sadly short-lived boyfriend and second partner, shares his voice with the flamboyant and boisterous cyborg Frankie from the super long-running series One Piece. High school bully turned bestie principal Reiko Kashiwara shares her voice with Sailor Neptune from the Sailor Moon series. Lastly, Noriko's dad, the admirable Admiral shares his voice with the narrator of the less admirable pop team epic. Mm. Now that you three hosts have consumed a generous amount of old school anime, what are your thoughts on some of the earlier years of the art form? Would you have spent $34.95 on a VHS copy of Gunbuster episodes 1 and 2 with only the box art text and a random ad to go on? Every anime fandom, early anime fandom, was an expensive hobby. Uh, and Chad has attached the VHS art for Gunbuster. Pretty cool. Uh, well, I hope everyone is staying safe and healthy. Mahalo, Chad. P.S. I mentioned the anime The Voices of a Distant Star in the Discord as a story that deals with very similar themes as Gunbuster. But it does it over the course of a single 25-minute OVA. 
Wow. It's on Crunchyroll if anyone's interested and definitely worth a watch. It's also worth noting that a single human was responsible for nearly the entire production of Voices of a Distant Star from mm. start to finish. Really? The entire production? Like they did all the voices too? Maybe. <laughs> that would be fun. I mean, that's that would explain why it's 25 minutes. Mm. You know, any longer than that and they'd die. They'd uh, break. But yeah, this this box art is cool because like part of it is just the box art, which I don't know if I can see in super high res, but then it also includes, um, I guess it's like a pamphlet that came inside that's like trying to advertise their services or it might it's advertising Gunbuster VHSs and the Dangayo uh, VHSs. Is that what it's called? Dangayo? I thought it was Den or some shit. Anyway, um. Yeah, and it's it just tells you it's like it's got a cool little like uh, graphic of being like Japanese animation something lost in the translation. It's not supposed to rhyme. I don't think they're rapping just because it's the early '90s. And it's got like a Japanese speech bubble and then an arrow over to English speech bubble that just says "See Noriko run, run Noriko run," and then never again <laughs> <laughs> to be released 1990. And you know, then it goes on to talk about the shows and it tells you how it it's like. Mature themes, computer-generated, easy-to-read subtitles um, by U.S. Renditions. And they are a subsidiary of Nippon Chupan Hanbai USA. Okay, I see why they did a separate American name. Uh, apparently, the, the character design for Gunbuster was done by Haruhiko Mikimoto, who created Macross, or Robotech, as we called it in the U.S. But yeah, I don't know if I mean, if I were an adult in the late 80s, like if I appreciated this show the way I do now, then I probably would spend 35 bucks on the VHSs. Um, if I were a kid or if I were in high school, no. No way. No way. Well, I would not have the money. I didn't have money. <laughs> I didn't have money. I definitely dropped 150 bucks on the Eva box set uh, when I was in high school. Maybe if I, I mean, if I was a teenager, I had money saved up from like Christmas gifts or whatever, or birthday gifts. You know, yeah. like people put money in cards and I save that up like all year for, you know, the one, you know, like whatever few things that I want to buy that year. But the, the thing is, is I guess, you know, and I just ignored it as well. But Chad was saying based off just this ad and just like seeing cover art. Well, one, I like the cover art and two, I, I'm like zooming in and reading the description here. And based on the, the description, I would want to see it. But it depends on like what my options are. Like, I think like. I'd probably be more likely to, because I didn't have that much money, uh, I would use it on things that I reliably felt like I would like. Even though, then again, I did just buy CDs based on like the one single I heard on the radio and then the entire CD was like not very good. Um, I did right. that a lot. That's that's how they get you. Yeah, I know. Streaming has finally kind of done away with that to be like, yeah, yeah we get it. There's only a few things that are worth listening to. Sorry. Yeah. Um, hobbies were so intentional back then I feel like now I can just not care about a million things that much <laughs> yeah in some ways like I I would like to believe that means everything has to be better because it can't just be like aha you're in for a penny in for a pound but mm -hmm. that it's has not. that's that, not. that has not come true and everything now is well, subscription based so it's like you you pay a pound for something and then you don't notice as the pounds are being sucked into netflix but it's still yeah. affordable but you pretty much have unlimited access at that point yeah 
with Netflix and Spotify and whatever, like you pay a flat fee and you have unlimited access. So if you watch a lot of shows or listen to a lot of music, it's a good or whatever it is, whatever media you're consuming, it's a good deal. The only problem is is if you it, it makes you very much less likely to purchase or patronize anything that isn't on those channels yeah because like an independent artist is going to be like all right look pay me three dollars to hear this ep and you're going to be like three fucking dollars i pay half of that to spotify a month no i would i would pay three dollars you would pay three dollars but what about you and me having no money in in high school days would we pay three dollars on top of the eight dollars a month so like i like don't buy chips one week or we we wouldn't even probably pay spotify back then you know what i mean we would just take the stupid ads that play the same fucking ad every time we'd listen to spotify with ads and then someone's like hey for one album you you don't know if this is really that good you got to spend several dollars i mean i was pirating (laughs) as a teenager anyway there's that but i'm just saying like even though it's great to have access to this huge library of stuff at the same time it, it must be hard to be an independent um artist you know trying to get people to be interested i think the independent artists just put their music up on like youtube and it's like they 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 perform on youtube and they become popular that way you yeah, know what i mean most of them don't what yeah. do you mean i guess that's true for getting signed to a label as well but um people build up followings just from like you know doing covers on youtube yeah it's totally a thing it's true but there's a million people who do that you know yeah, there. I mean, there's a million people who want to sell their three dollars CDs, yeah. but that's I think even less likely. It's true. It's true. Um, but yeah, it is strange to think about investing a bunch of money before seeing something. I mean, that's that's like the main reason why you and I, Jackie, have not seen Raya: The Last Dragon or whatever. Was it was like, it seems like it's priced for families that have children who want to watch something a million times. But wasn't it like thirty dollars to like? I don't remember what you're talking about. Raya, the last it was thirty dollars. The Asian-based uh, Disney movie mm. that has Mulan. Oh, that one, the one that's on Disney Plus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, remember it was like even if you have Disney Plus, you have to spend like thirty bucks to buy it yeah. or something, and it was just like. At, no, I, I'm not going to do that. What the fuck? Or you can watch it in theaters now, maybe. Well, this was before we all had vaccines. I know. <laughs> but still, I'm saying, I mean, do you not agree that it's like just paying money before seeing something is like... It, I, I, I rely heavily on word of mouth now. So I need, yeah. I need like people to tell me that it's good. Someone else needs to take the risk of like, you know, paying to see it. Um, or sometimes like if I... Like if there's an actor that I really like, like if there's something about... Like for example, if like a Miyazaki film came out I might be like, all right, well, it's got, it's it's going to, it might not be the best Miyazaki film, but it'll still be a Miyazaki film. You know what I yeah. mean? We definitely didn't have that with, with Gunbuster. I mean, maybe like hardcore nerds would be like, oh my God, you mean yeah. the guys that did Daikon, the, the, the opening for Daikon and the wings of hun, honey mayonnaise. I don't know what the fuck that thing is called. But I'm thinking back, like how big was the anime section at block, Blockbuster? Probably not that big. So if I was at Block, well, okay, we're not talking about Blockbuster. We're talking about purchasing. Okay, I didn't purchase VHSs because my mom worked for a um, a company that sold videos to video stores. Like they sold VHSs to the video stores. So we never bought any movies because we got them for free. So I would get this movie for free. <laughs> well, good for you. Miles, what are your thoughts? Would you spend $35 blindly because of box art and good description? No. All right. I would say though, like, I imagine that the, the, the anime section at Blockbuster was pretty small, like not a lot. 
uh, to select from. And so if this was like one of like, you know, a small number of anime, I would probably pick this one out out of the other ones, maybe. You know, if I read the back and I looked at yeah. the cover, I'd probably pick it out because it's, it's uh, if you read like kind of the description here, it's like failures, encouragement, friendships and training develop young Noriko into a strong woman proud of her accomplishments. And I'm like, that sounds nice. You know, <laughs> she's the hero. She's doing stuff. A realistic and intriguing science fiction story featuring delightful characters. Take this video over the top. Like that, I like that. I like sci-fi. I like girls in space and you know, yeah, mystery. Girls and space. That's it, man. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. Okay, well, I'm glad. I'm glad you got to finish uh, the the anime finally, Chad. Um, that is quite. It's it's quite a fitting uh, gap of time between you starting it and finishing it. Um, matter of I fact, I hope it was worth the wait. Yeah, mm. that's the thing. Is in another universe, and not not another universe. In another part of the space time dilation. Really, only a, a few minutes passed. But in Earth for Chad, it was thirty years. You know, I don't know. That could mm-hmm. have been cleaner. It doesn't matter. Let's move on. I mentioned earlier that we have a Patreon and I can prove it. If you go to patreon.com slash jjbpod, that's where you'll see our Wait, Patreon. Wait, can you spell it again? I'm going to try it. P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot C-O-M slash J-J-B-P-O-D. Um, J-J-B-O-D, like body? Please go to hell. <laughs> J-J-Bod? Uh, you can uh, support the show. You can support us for as little as $1 a month. Um, you can also, uh, support us for $3 a month, which means we will take notice of you and thank you to prove it like so. So thank you very much to Lord Zendar, Aaron, Robin, Omar, Jumbo, Katie, Bloof, Mickey, Nocturnal, Aura, Mr. Jackpots, Caden, Nick, Austin, Tim, Tyler, Martin, (laughs) (laughs) Michael, and Chad. You all are great people in my eyes. I don't know how Jackie and Miles feel, but. Yeah, I I agree with that. Okay. I love them all. They're our family. Oh, wow. Okay. Great job, everybody. Huge family. You, uh. You do have to start paying rent, though. So <laughs> the prices are going to go up. This is a pay-to-play. Yes. Family. And we also have an even higher tier where, that's right, if you just- you pay po- rent. Where you, you pay rent. <laughs> that'll be $300. No. It'd be- but you get a room in Mark and Jackie's house. Uh, that's right. <laughs> uh, and I will move out of our room and go in the laundry room and sleep there. Um, it's a very wh- expensive tier, though. What? Were you going to say something? I was going to say a lot of things and then you just, you just, I'm done. Okay. We're good. We're good. Uh, also, if you would like to sponsor an episode of the show, we have a $15 tier. I know that sounds ridiculous, but you just pledge for one month. You just turn it on and then off and then you message us and you say, hey, you should watch three episodes of something. That's less than half the price of a Gunbuster VHS from the past. Yes. And <laughs> we, we should we should specify we do not give you any episodes of any anime. <laughs> you just right. pay for the commentary and reaction track. Um, 
you can pay to hear us say things like, that was pretty good, or that was fine. Or, or I don't really like mecha anime. Or, <laughs> yeah. Or, I don't know, maybe if we watched more, but we didn't. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, we won't be saying any of those things today, I don't think. Um, but yeah, that's patreon.com slash jjbpod. Uh, feel free to sponsor an episode. We have some great stuff coming up for June. Um, quite the swath, quite the wide variety uh, of anime titles coming up. And uh, you can be a part of 2021 history. Unless they're like, Stone Ocean is coming out in June. Then we just throw all your shit in the trash. Uh-huh. We'll give you money back, maybe. <laughs> um, we'll just say, or we'll, we'll ask people if you want to save it for when there's a break or something. Yeah. And then that'll be 12,000 years later. Okay, uh, let's take a break and then get into Gunbuster, episodes four through six. Uh, I want to state that for my error regarding the Gunbuster availability in the U.S., uh, as apology, I will not be taking my cut of the Patreon earnings this month, and instead, I will be giving the cut to one of you two, and I'm Leaning towards Jackie. What? I think instead of taking my one-third cut of Patreon, I'll give it to Jackie because uh, okay. I have to apologize for my error. Listen, ev- everyone makes mistakes, Mark. Okay. I, I was hoping you were going to point out that Jackie and I share finances and that it doesn't make a difference if I do that. Oh, uh, I, I mean, that's true. But I, I, but I, I can't. Yeah, I, you know, you're too low on the totem pole. It wouldn't make sense. I really don't think you have to give up your your Patreon. Okay. Certainly, I have made many more egregious factual errors, <laughs> and I would hate for this to be a precedent. All right. Well, as um, I would love to be able to continue to lie on this podcast. No, as penance, you're going to have to give up your cut this this coming oh, month to me. Oh no. <laughs> no, to Jackie. Actually, let's make her the villain. Okay. <laughs> Um, no. Are you re- are you guys ready to come back and do the show? Yes. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Which which show are we doing? I took so many goddamn notes on this show. Let's talk about Gunbuster episodes. Let's talk about Gunbuster. <laughs> Let's talk about you and Monster. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about all the good things and the bad things that may Buster. <laughs> um. Yeah, this is weird. I don't remember. Have we done a continuation? I mean, obviously we've done JoJo, but it's like I was about to be like in 1988. You know, we picked up where we left off last time. Oh yeah, what did I always say? I was like, and this episode continues from last episode. <laughs> we pick up where we left off. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, Mark. Oh man. Well, some things that I missed. Uh, first of all, um, the voice actor for Noriko. Her name is Noriko. Oh, um, and she, that's that's how she got the part. It must be, and she still does acting parts. Like she had a small part in uh, shows we watched, like uh, "Keep Your Hands Off Azoken" about the girls that are starting an anime in college, and a Pop Team Epic. She's one of the narrators, so perhaps she is admirable, indeed. Uh, other thing is that we talked about how Gunbuster's name in Japanese is "Aim for the Top" or "Topu o Nerai," um, and that is named for. Uh, a Japanese tennis manga or anime called Aim for the Aces and for Top Gun, which Jackie and I have seen since we last talked about Gunbuster. We saw it in theaters. We went back in time and to the 90s and watched it. 80s. Really? I thought it was like 90. 
shit. Like 91 or oh something. Oh my God. How many Patreons am I going to have to give up? <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's 80s. But the year was 86. That's right. Oh, of course it was. What are we talking about? If Gunbuster named itself off partially oh, after Top Gun, it, it would kidding. have to be before 88. Whoops. You tried to trick me with your <laughs> time magic. Everything good, Miles? Highway. Yeah, I'm just moving my mic. Okay. To the Top Gun. I hope that makes it in. I'll leave it in. Fine. Um, yeah, and it's interesting because, Jackie, did you spot parallels between... Top Gun and this show at all? No. Because I did. Okay. What are they? I think we had um, Noriko kind of freaks out once or twice when she tries to get back in the ship, mm. you know? And then we see that also kind of transfer over to um, Onesama, Rose Queen mm. Amano, which is like in Top Gun in like that first scene, the mm. one guy, Cougar, like he starts like panicking in the fighter jet and it seems mm. like he's going to run out of fuel and stuff and then he lands and he leaves he can't cut it they're at top gun academy and then uh at a different point maybe towards the end uh tom cruise's character maverick also starts freaking out but they're like never leave your wingman you mm-hmm. know and they fly together uh, yes i think using expensive military equipment to settle personal disputes is also a parallel yeah, but that's something the kind of like semi-villain does, you know. But you're right, you're right. That is that is true that she's like she's competitive. She wants to be the top buster. Mhm. Or whatever. She want well she wants to drive the gun buster, uh young Freud. Um Top Gun is about like you're all, you know, you can be a navy pilot. Uh but Top Gun is the name of the like elite navy school and isn't that the navy pilot school and isn't that kind of the deal with gunbuster aren't they in like space robot school they're running around mm-hmm. a track and robots but then they're like now you're on the excelion or luxion space force right i don't even remember what the division is between their school and this elite thing but it's the same idea you get to be in the elite group of people and someone should be number one and they mm. yeah maybe feel certain ways and they work in a pair much like Maverick and Goose. Yes. Honk, honk. Uh, Rip Goose. Sorry, spoilers. For Top Gun. <laughs> For Top Gun. From 1986. So yeah, in uh, episode four, we're dealing with Noriko is still uh, shaken up by the fact that her last co-pilot, uh, Smith, died in battle. And she blames herself for... Uh, killing him again kind of a parallel Mm. to uh well not for killing him but blames herself for his death also a parallel for top gun a little bit Mm -hmm. um and uh she she trains really hard with the coach yeah um coach she is determined and i kind of kept you know we, we obviously had a huge gap between the beginning uh the first three and the last three here but it is interesting that the show at times, like in episode three, spent all this time being like, here's all the science of things, mm-hmm. right? They have all this fake science and this Dr. Tannhäuser. Mm-hmm. But then like the back half of this is just like, oh yeah, she can pilot this insanely huge space robot. And one of its techniques is to kick shit mm-hmm. uh, with the Inazuma kick. And when they pair up, they just seem to have like 
ass pull abilities like they do in Gurren Lagann, <laughs> where it's like, what, you think you can squish us in your alien spaceship? No, you can't because we have double asteroid crush powers or whatever. I don't know mm-hmm. what they say. Um, <laughs> but does that mean I didn't like those scenes? No, I liked it. It just proves that you don't have to explain anything. Yeah. Ever. But it's also weird because maybe it's because I, I forgot, but I don't think that did we know that Coach was training Noriko to, to pilot the Gunbuster? Or did that take you all by surprise as well? I feel like they talked about it like for a second. Okay. Like they said the words Gunbuster. <laughs> they definitely did. And I, well, I, yeah, and it was, um, I have a shit ton of notes about parallels to Eva. And this mm-hmm. is kind of one where it's like Coach is kind of running his own game. He has his own agenda. He seems to be in charge of the Gunbuster project. And yeah. he mentions being like, oh yeah, the Gunbuster project, blah, blah, blah. Kind of like, I think Eva has the secret Tang uh, project. Mm-hmm. Um, Yum, it's a kick in glass. Is that, was that the slogan? Yeah. Oh, interesting. I gotta try some Tang. Yeah. Poon Tang? No. Oh. I, I don't understand what you mean by like, did that take you by surprise? Like, I don't know. I, I Wasn't that, isn't that just like the, the plot like well, we have, we have been seeing <laughs> as a result of her you know partner dying she applies herself and is like motivated really to train much harder and spend and so she spends a lot of time with coach well it's it's that what i'm saying is it seems like you know noriko asked coach to like train her and then we see her doing these special lessons mm-hmm. and then she's confronted by young freud yes. who's like oh you're training with him so you can get special lessons on how to pilot the gunbuster, but I want to pilot the gunbuster. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my God, young Freud has it all wrong. She's a jealous redhead. And then they go to fight in space and Noriko cries and can't do it. But then, yes, it was true. She was being trained to pilot the gunbuster mm-hmm. and she's extremely good at it. Yeah. It was this really you know strange. They never shift. explain, like, they never talk about why she gets chosen to do this like i don't under, yeah. like they don't explain why she's like specially suited to pilot the gunbuster yeah. yeah or what what what's the potential that he sees in her yeah you know? yeah because he does pick her over like more obviously talented people mhm and he says that he, that she has potential so like i want to know what that is like when you see potential in someone what does that mean is it just like <laughs> hereditary <laughs> oh you're i like the cut of your jib yeah yeah. It's, is it like, like, was it purely just like, I feel sad about your dad? Yeah. Um, yeah, I thought that that would be like a reveal. Like, this is the reason I, why. I was waiting. And he just kind of yeah. says like what we said, that he was like, the result of like my promise to you and to like my promise to Kazumi and to your dad is the two of you going out in space when they eventually get the team back up again. And yeah, it's weird because I think I joked that it was like, I promised your dad that I would send you into space no matter what or something mm-hmm. where it's like, I, so I don't know, like, I, I hate to read too deeply into, you know, anything. Uh, No, but, uh, you know, the way like Anno's projects of this and Evangelion love to just be like on this scale of like apocalypse and like different countries participating and life and death. It's hard not to read it into it like in a deep way. And I wonder if like, does Anno just really believe in like genetic like linkage, you know, and bloodlines and being like, your dad was a great space admirable, admirable. Holy shit. Your dad was a great 
Space Admiral. Therefore, you have some potential. Mm-hmm. We just got to force you into a situation where you have to use it or something. Yeah. You know, so I wonder if that's just part of Anno's mind, you know, because like in Evangelion, it's not quite the same thing, but it's like there's a reason why Shinji has to uh, pilot the Eva. Mm-hmm. And it's not because it's definitely not because anyone looks at Shinji and is like, I see greatness. Yeah. I see She's a guy, guy who yeah. steps up and doesn't cry and piss his pants like any other human boy probably would in that situation. Uh, because that's what he proceeds to do for like 20 episodes or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, which is also why it is sort of like, you know, they only have six episodes here. Yeah. But it was weird when Noriko goes out in, in the spaceship robot and she freaks out mm-hmm. and she's worried about her you know, she got her last co-pilot killed, but then she's in her bedroom and she's really sad hearing everyone else launch to go out there and fight. And the odds are really bad. Um, like they're down a ship, I think. We we heard like one of the girls, you know, he's like, coach is like, why haven't you launched? And one of the girls is like, my ship has a problem. And they're like, you take this guy's and that guy goes on standby. And uh, so she's there like feeling really guilty and bad. But then she's just like, she looks at the bandana from Smith and she's she, I don't know what she exactly says, but she's just being like, I'm not going to cry anymore. I'm going to take, you know, I don't know. Did she say I'll yeah. take your sacrifice or something and she just take des- it with me into combat. She just decides to not <laughs> freak out about it anymore and just do yeah. it. Fuck all this crying. and She's shit. just like, oh, you know what? Yeah, I don't have to fucking feel sad about anything anymore. I'm just going to I'm just mm-hmm. going to fight. <laughs> she yeah. decides to be good instead of bad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Like, fuck all this crying and shit. I'm done. Yeah, um, I think, like, that's... I, I, I like this show, but, like, I, my problem with it is that, like, we... The characters change too quickly, and we don't see... We don't yes. actually see the change happen. Yeah, the same... I, I feel the same way about in episode five or so with Amano, the Onesama, mm-hmm. where, like, we don't quite know what the relationship is between her and Coach mm-hmm. and uh, how problematic that probably is. But then when she has like yeah, an emotional okay. breakdown, in, what'd you say, Miles? It's an inappropriate relationship. She's like eight. Okay. She's like 18 uh, and he's her coach. <laughs> yeah. Yes. One person has all the power in that relationship. Yeah. And he seems, he seems kind of old, but um, yeah. she just has like an emotional breakdown in the middle of their like big mission mm-hmm. that they're like combined in the gunbuster. Yeah. At the end. And I was, it just didn't feel in character for her. Like, I get that she's worried that she's never going to see Coach again or whatever. Yeah, the romance kind of came out of nowhere and her emotion for him came out of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. And it also contributed... Go ahead, Miles. Characters just become different characters in this show. Yeah, I mean, and there is a great... We do know there is, like, a great span of time on Earth, but we mostly experience stuff through um, the characters that are not on Earth, that are in space and stuff. It's not like we it's not like we leave um onesama for 15 years and then mm-hmm. she's more emotional later that would maybe make sense yeah like i don't think i believe that takes place before she gets out of time sync with noriko right mm-hmm. they're out of they like visit earth again but then when they go back out she's still yeah pretty much 17 years old mm-hmm. um and it also like part of me was like man it this show is like it's great but there's like three girl I enjoy characters it a lot. Who just want to like prove the, prove their themselves to daddy, you know? Mm-hmm. And young Freud is like definitely more honest and open about it. Where she's like, "Wait, who's daddy? Coach?" Yes, mm. it's just about 
three little girls that want to prove it. Like even when they blow up the. No, I think Noriko's motivation is that she she wants to be like her dad. It's a different dad. <laughs> it's a different dad. D- different daddy. Yeah. But... Well, the other thing is, is like, I think Ano just likes stories where people have daddy mm. issues. I mean, I think yeah. that is like a pretty common thing. Certainly, um, Araki also likes mm. people with daddy issues. But yeah. you know, Shinji's a boy, and he's like. Mm-hmm. way worse than Noriko. I mean, she, <laughs> yeah. she has that unhuman shift in, you know, uh, responsibility and anxiety, but... Well, th- there's two shifts. One is her ability, and, like, all of a sudden, I don't know, I feel like she, like, uh, yeah, she's been training with the coach, but I, but that, her getting good at piloting the robot, I think, was also a little, probably a little too fast. Like, I would have liked to see that growth a little bit. I think... The impl- and it made me think, like, is it just that the robot is super awesome? Like, is she even good? Could anyone do right. this? Yeah. Well, in the first or second episode, doesn't she actually kick ass in the training? You know, doesn't she have a moment where she looks really yes. cool in a fight? Yeah. And so, yeah, because it did seem like she sucked before that and that Onesama was, like, the best. Mm-hmm. But then it was like, okay, maybe she's just not confident enough. Like, that's the thing. She does have anxiety. Mm-hmm. Either way, I do know what you're saying because it looked like they were making it out to be like that she's just like inept. Like she's just inherently or innately not good at piloting. And then mm-hmm. she has this robot and it, she crosses her arms in the well, robot just, and it shit. It's like, like a lot of a lot of confidence. Not that she's not good at it. It's just that she was um, inexperienced. It was her first year of training, mm-hmm. you know, like she, she, and then it's like, oh, now you're actually on a real, now you're on real missions, which Re- is like, that's, you know, like, but, if you, the, but her like friend had the same experience, right? What friend? Onesama? Wasn't she the same? No, she's her senpai. Wait, she's like in her last year. Onesama is in her last oh, year. Okay. Yeah. And uh, and Noriko is in her first year. So it's like taking like a first year medical student and being like, okay, now you're, I see your potential. You're a doctor now. Right. You know? Yeah. So maybe it's what My- Miles' theory is just that the robot is really good. Um, and it is it's also a good robot. Good bot. It's also like the robot's abilities also change a lot because in that first battle it's like really i guess maybe they just didn't charge it up enough someone didn't plug it in right but it's like you have two minutes worth of power and then when they take it out later when they combine like the gunbuster technology that wasn't on earth for 15 years or 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 10 years or whatever it was during the first giant time shift right like so did they have a robot that was incomplete and had two minutes of power and then later it can just like fly around through space and and not be crushed and do cool shit with two pi- I don't know. <laughs> um it's also weird that in their individual ships Gunbuster part 1 and 2 they have lasers that just like sweep and like blow up blow up all the alien ships in like one like movement but mm-hmm. then they were piling robots that have to like stab them with sticks. It was like <laughs> well, wait a minute you guys really should have spread this around a little bit. <laughs> um they put all of it in the one robot. That part reminded me of like those I, you definitely know what they're called. Those games where you're the little plane and everything is like coming down toward you. Bullet yeah. hell? Bullet hell or shoot 'em up. Mm. Yeah. Bullet hell is like a specific shoot 'em up where there's a lot of projectiles in a pattern and they move slowly and your ship has a tiny hitbox so you can navigate through them and it just it's like a ton of shit mm. that you navigate oh. through. But in general, just them coming down at you is a, a shoot 'em up or shmup if you really hate saying syllables. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't. I love it. I love it. Okay. Um, 
you know, other things. So like the close up on Noriko's face where it's like miscolored, like we see like it's almost like inverted colors that reminded me a lot of Shinji when he freaks out in his Evangelion or when mm. she gets bathed in red light. I mean, we see like lighting changes in the Evos, like all the panels of light around them turn red or say warning or whatever. Um, Coach stays behind his sunglasses uh, to look cool, except for emotional moments, just like Gendo from Evangelion. Um, there's a few other things that are parallels, but I think they might just be parallels within the genre. Like for a moment when one of them yells like Hashin when they like launch, but that's in all the robot animes apparently. But yeah, this, uh, this show does get, uh, dark and sad for a moment in episode four. And I was really like, you know, when she was just like, I'm not going to cry anymore. And she gets in the gun buster. Cause I was relating to it mm. a lot, uh, for just like having anxiety and yeah. feeling like, Everyone else is doing something and I'm letting everyone down. And everyone's counting on me. Yeah. Or I'm missing out. You yeah. know, while all the other people who can do it are doing it. Mm. And, you know, it totally makes sense. And it reminded me of one of the ways I liked Evangelion a lot. But then she just like turns that off. But in some ways, it's like, well, that's easier to watch, isn't it? You know, mm-hmm. like that's why there's rebuilds of Evangelion. And that's why Evangelion ran out of money. Um, although this also seems to have run out of money towards the end. Um, you think so? Yeah. I mean, you don't, yeah. And by the way, a little tragedy that that happened in episode four is that, as I said, there's like that girl, Linda and her robot is fucked up. So they're like, all right, you go in, I don't know the other guy's name, Herman, you go in Herman's robot and Herman, you stay here and she gets killed later. We see her get chopped in half by a bug plant robot. Um, I also think it's funny that, um, the captain like gets on cause like Noriko in these last few episodes, she keeps trying to kill herself. She keeps trying to kamikaze and save mankind. Uh, and it's awesome. I like it a lot. That, She's very dedicated to saving mankind. Maybe that's the potential. Yeah. <laughs> I think that she might be it. She's like, I think mankind. The thing that's because like that is something that's special about her. Not everybody would be like, you know what? Fuck time. Fuck like everybody that I ever know or like care about fuck time. on Earth. I care about saving humanity and I don't care if like, you know, I'm still 16 and everyone else is like an adult and like I have to basically get to know new people all over again. And like it's like mad lonely. Well, I mean, having to get to know new people all over again is not much of a, a cost in the face of like the bug the bug people blow up your star right well that's her point of view it's like well you know i i i would rather humans humanity be saved but i mean like the counter argument to that is like why does it have to be me like why didn't someone else right why doesn't someone else like sacrifice their life and their friends and their family and like the life that they know you know the people that they care about the life that exists for them on earth like well you have to really trust like the the team that determines like threat and all that stuff because part of me would just be like look i'll throw myself into it if if you really think we're going to be annihilated but like are you sure that this will work are you sure that (laughs) yeah i'll die if you know what i mean because i i would worry that i'd be like the guy that's like all right i'm gonna throw myself into the sun and then they're like he didn't have to do that (laughs) it's fine (laughs) like we we had a backup plan did no one tell him um (laughs) but when she's going to do something when she's in the gunbuster and she's just taking the entire team on her back, wiping out these aliens while looking fly. Uh, the Admiral gets on her comms, like a little window pops up and he's like, what are you doing? What are you doing with the gunbuster? And then coach gets on the same video panel, 
like above the admiral's panel and the admiral goes what and he looks up at coach's video panel like he looks the right direction from noriko's perspective it makes no sense oh but yeah like, why he, does he know he's a video panel and that, and that coach is above him it's just like sort of this really silly cartoonish moment he should not know where the <laughs> fuck he's just looking at the ceiling there's nobody there um but i got goosebumps i got i got uh emotional um when the music swells and noriko because people said like this show gets really dark and i didn't feel like it got super dark yet Mm-hmm. and it was like episode four out of six Nordico puts like the robot's hands into the the bug commander ship i was like oh my god she's gonna die uh and classical music for some reason just big string swells really get to me i'm sure that's true for a lot of people that was a dramatic oh, yeah. fight it was it was dramatic for sure um alien stab scream punch electricity yay those are my notes yeah and i love <laughs> noriko's scream by the yeah. way it's because she sounds like a little kid she sounds like she's like a goku or like a little boy in an <laughs> anime it's not like a a girly scream it's just sort of this like Wah! it's uh it, it's like youthful but it feels very like i don't know it feels it's very strong mm. um good scream but yeah this was a, episode four is really good it's very emotional yeah um yeah what I, the one thing that made me laugh was at the very beginning of the episode, they're like justifying, like they're talking, they're describing the alien threat and they're just like, we're pretty sure they're headed for Earth. And I'm like, are you not totally sure that the aliens are bad? You know, because they, I guess they, they did attack her dad's ship, but mm-hmm. it made me feel like it was a little bit ambiguous as to like, wh- why are we fighting these people? Are you talking about- It's just like- we're pretty sure they're heading to Earth. Oh, yeah. In which episode was that? Episode four. Oh, okay, okay. But also just in general, like, how do we know what these, I guess these, yeah, how do we know these bugs know to go to Earth and stuff? Yeah, they seem to. I also have no idea, like, I mean, I guess, well, I don't know anything about alien species, but like, what it's do they weird want? that they implant, well, they, they, they grow their young in the stars. Oh. So they might. Oh, do they want to destroy the sun, maybe? I think they want to use the sun as like a place to lay their babies but they're going to kill us because they know we're going to protect our sun because mm. we need it for superman's strength um yeah um episode five is is this after the time gap it is right yeah yeah they get back to, they go back to earth and they have a graduation ceremony <laughs> uh and 10 years have passed on earth so all their friends are adults now and have and kimiko has a baby Yes, her childhood friend who did not go with her to Top Gun, mm-hmm. uh, to Top Gun school. The Top Gun Buster. Yes, <laughs> Top Gun Buster. Um, and yes, yeah, she and Amano are kind of, uh, at one point, they're like, they're friends again, um, which is also like, Noriko proves herself to be like down for the cause and capable, and so they're friends. Um, but yeah, they're walking past and she meets her old friend, Kimiko, because she's just being like, wow, if I were 27 or whatever, I should be thinking about having kids. Mm-hmm. And she walks past a woman with a baby cart, and the woman is her friend, who is now somehow what? 10 years older. Whoa. And Kimiko's really pretty. I like her adult self. I think she's yes. really pretty. I think the major factor is that her eyes aren't giant wide circles anymore. She now has like eyelids, you know? So she just <laughs> looks older by not be- having that like babby look. 
<laughs> a lot of kids don't get those until like 17, 18. <laughs> the eyelids? Yeah. You're constantly having to... Your eyes are just open. To dodge all the <laughs> hairs falling into their eyes. It's horrible. Um, when she has this talk with... Uh, when the two of them talk and kind of catch up, um, and she introduces her to the baby who's three years old. She's like, help the baby get a place on uh, like the evacuation... Right. rocket or whatever earth Big is favor. making plans to, to evac- have an evacuation ship in case things go south yeah mm-hmm. and she's like yeah i heard the odds of a, a citizen getting it before the military mm-hmm. is four thousand to one or it's um, just like well they are prioritizing the military so just like the the, the chances of a citizen getting uh, yeah. a place is four thousand to one and during their talk or at the end of their scene we cut to a shot of her groceries because you know she met kimiko while she had the mm-hmm. baby and groceries and the groceries just kind of settle in the bag right before they transition. And don't they do that in Eva where like a shot of ice settles, you mm-hmm. know, in someone's drink. It's just like two ice cubes kind of melt onto each other. Anyway. I guess so. Oh. I feel like they do that in Bebop too. It might just oh, be an maybe I'm thinking thing. of that. Okay. Yeah, that's what I said. Some of these parallels might just be part Anime's. of other stuff and I am just noticing. Did you guys notice everyone has two eyes? And one nose? Yeah. I feel <laughs> That's like, like a Eva. lot of shows have people with two eyes. Okay, well, how about this? When mm-hmm. uh, we see on, on episode five, we have this sort of subplot where One-sama, a.k.a. Kasumi, Kasumi Amano, is talking to Coach, and it seems like they might be involved, or like uh, Kasumi really wants something from Coach. We at one point see them have in exchange where we can't see their lip. We can't hear what they're saying. We just see their lips moving. Mm. And the same thing happens with Gendo and I think Ritsuko mm. in Evangelion. And then I forget, is that where one of them gets slapped in Eva? Because like the big slap happening, I need to like compare shots because in this one, when we see... um, Coach? No, no, no. I think it might be in... I'm not sure which episode it is. It might be five. I don't know. It's, uh, we'll break this down on JoJo's Bizarre Slapcast. Yeah, well, mm-hmm. basically the German girl like says, like, well, I was trying to compete with uh, Noriko, but it looks like I don't need to. And uh, Kasumi slaps her, and they like... The oh, camera yeah. like follows the hand like as it comes down through the air and then across her face. It's very, uh, very forgot, dramatic. I forgot about that slap. There's two slaps, aren't there? There's three slaps, because there's that slap, and then... Um, Coach... Or no, I guess, does Coach only hit her or she doesn't hit Coach back? No, I think she only, he hits her. Okay. Um, I know there's a big male on female or female on male slap in mm-hmm. Evangelion. I just mm-hmm. don't remember what it is. Or maybe it's Misato and Risiko. I don't know. I'm going to be right back. I'm going to watch the whole show. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but look, I'm... I would rewatch it. I'm going to go ahead and say the muted conversation is uh, it's just like Eva coming okay. later. Um. I really like that, uh, like Evangelion, um, there's like this feeling of loneliness between like them coming back on Earth and being like, we don't know anyone anymore. Like everyone's mm-hmm. moved on. And this sort of like, yeah, everyone's getting prepared for the apocalypse. You know, everyone's just ready to die or like things are already kind of post disaster, you know, which is like what Evangelion is like. It's just like, mostly a lonely we see it like empty places because people evacuate for the robots to fight and it's also like built on the back of a destroyed tokyo and Mm -hmm. so it's just kind of this wasteland where 
the pilots and the military are totally separate from the rest of society and the world itself looks really desolate mm. and they're probably worried about the end of the fucking world. So uh, yeah, this show is similarly really lonely and empty. Man. Oh man. I think it did get cheesy when she suddenly like breaks down while they're fighting in space. Like uh, Onesan suddenly breaks down. And suddenly Noriko is like the more mature one who's like coaching her through it. Yeah, I was okay with Noriko coaching her because she doesn't say anything super revelatory. I do think that even if it was a fluke, pulling off that big stunt where she saved humanity in the gunbuster laser, killing all those bad guys when the chips were down, I think she probably would have the confidence, you know, to tell her senpai, like, come on, get it together. We got to save the people. And she's probably scared, too, because she's like, oh, shit, this is my senpai and she's breaking down. Mm. But uh, true. I think you I think you could do it. I can see someone. I do like how cocky Noriko becomes at the same time though because it's like I like how they're like think you can get think you could get us with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, it I know that that you guys haven't seen all of Gurren Lagann, but in Gurren Lagann that's a thing like the two of them combine and a, they're like catchphrases, who the hell do you think you are? Um and uh they just seem very, very cocky like, and, and one they, basketball like get that weak shit out of here. Is that their slogan for and one basketball? No, it's just like it, it like it just reminds me of like shit talking in sports. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like it. Um I like shit talking in sports even though I don't play them. Um I like to see it. Uh it's weird too when like she when uh, Noriko goes to talk to coach um he gives this sort of speech. He's like he's like he's already um handicapped from his like brush with battle and he confirms mm-hmm. that he was the guy that the ca- that her dad saved. And he also is coughing up blood because he has space radiation syndrome. Mm. But he gives this speech where he's like, look, the two of you, what does he say about fire? Where he's like, each of you are a flame. And he points to, I don't remember if he has the kanji in his room for it, but they show the kanji for fire. And then he's like, the two of you combined are an inferno. And he shows the two kanji stacked on top of each other. And that is a real thing. What's a real thing? The kanji just with the fires on top of each other. Okay. It goes from the single word for flame is he, and then on top of each other, that kanji is pronounced hono, mm. or sometimes it's pronounced homura, which is the name of the theme song from the Demon Slayer movie. Oh, that could be a name, right? Homura is the name also of one of the uh, characters in uh, Madoka, Akemi Homura. Mm. Homura. But it technically means uh, like blaze. I feel like there's a Sailor Moon character with that name. It is, yeah. It seems to be only given to female characters, but it's not really a name that Japanese people would use. Mm. It's one of those names you only see on the TV or on your funny papers. <laughs> um, but it was cool because, like, looking at kanji is fun to do to look and and be like, where do these ideas come from? Because some people say like, oh yeah, they're just pictures, but it's not really the case. You can't really draw shit that specifically in that small space it's more like ideas linked together so like those two kanji those those two flames become one kanji that means inferno and so like the symbols for pneumonia are the kanji for lungs and mm. then that double fire Aww. kanji because it it oh, no. in that context it means inflammation mm. so i don't think pneumonia technically is inflammation but 
It's a lung inferno. It means it's a great blaze in your lungs. Mm. Um, but yeah, I also really love um when like the the there's the big war room space scene, which also made me think of Evangelion. Mm. Um, they're having a meeting in episode five, and uh, Coach runs in there in his robe. Yeah, which he's like he has a plan, and he wants to run in there and tell everybody his plan. He just yells one word that means like suggestion and like someone is trying, <laughs> someone is grabbing him or he's like proposition and like someone is grabbing him like, like he broke into the building. Uh, and Miles, did you think he looked comfortable? Did you like that robe? I did like that. Well, was it, I wasn't sure whether it was like a bathrobe, like the dude or whether it was like an actual like kimono. I think it was the, 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 what was it, the hoppy that we were talking about? That kind of kimono? I don't think they just have robes in Japan. I think you got to be wearing some <laughs> kind of kimono variant. Mm. Okay. They're all kimonos over there. I, so what do they put on after they take a shower? They put on a, a kimono, they, not just a regular old, like a terry cloth bathrobe? I, I, yeah, maybe. Yeah. I, I don't know. Okay. I'm half kidding, but mostly pulling it out of my ass no fucking idea um damn but i did think that was funny and i do like the idea that coach is sort of the secret sauce of this organization that he's just like the guy who actually has these like wild gambit plans that somehow are kicking ass and getting an intense amount of funding Um, fucking worked man and the plan was let's take this giant ship we're building and blow it up and it'll make a black hole and it'll suck everyone up well, they already had, or no, that's episode six, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wait, in episode five, is that his plan? I don't remember how. Yeah. It is? Okay. Also. It worked. It it did work. <laughs> of course it did. Um, But also him suggesting him like using an opportunity where like the original plan failed to suggest his giant robot is a parallel to the movie RoboCop from 1987 when Ed 209 malfunctions in the boardroom at OCP and it destroys a man. It sh- Does it ever. Shoots him like 40 times. Uh, mm. Bob Morton comes out of nowhere and is like, the guy who designed Ed 209 is like, uh, I'm really sorry, I think it was a glitch. And the CEO <laughs> is pissed off. And then Bob Morton's like, actually, the RoboCop program is doing great. It's coming along. And that lets him get in there. And RoboCop, as we know, saves uh, mankind. Um. So <laughs> great it, job, it just, RoboCop. Just like uh, this this show. Exactly. Yeah. Um. Listen though, it would be good. It RoboCop two would be better if he was like, I have to go into the bomb that doesn't work, and RoboCop slowly walked into a bomb. Um. <laughs> and he goes, all cops are bastards, including me. <laughs> and he shoots himself in the head. <laughs> uh, RoboCab. <laughs> anyway, no politics, please. Moving on. But yeah, there's like all the science talk in the beginning and then in episode five, it's still like, it's so much fun to watch. It's just like junk food where it, it does. She does yell Inazuma kick. Like again, I mentioned that the early shitty robots had to stab aliens with spears that did have lightning coming out of them. So that's kind of cool. And then in the separate ships of the Gunbuster, they're shooting lasers that blow up like hundreds of ships at once. And then she's like, I'm going to kick this thing. Like <laughs> that's somehow part of the technology. Um, Let's kick but- it. But it is a, uh, it is pretty sick. But wait, isn't episode five is not where they, is not the black hole bomb. The black hole bomb is episode six. 
But episode five, they blow up a ship to create a black hole. Right, 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 right. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which maybe is where they get the idea for the black hole bomb. Right. Because they, they basically say, hey, the uh, the old ship, our old ship Luxion, or I forget which one is which. They're like, let's just throw that at the aliens and and yeah, we'll we'll escort it there and blow it up. But then, yeah. I have in my notes Cape Shield and like I forgot about this. But you oh remember, my God. You remember when the fucking robot pulls out a <laughs> pulls out a cape? <laughs> yeah. And it's a shield. <laughs> yeah, that was definitely just cool fan serviceiness. It also parries a bunch of <laughs> alien lasers by just putting its hand up, just like a martial art master. Um, which again, just holding bit the back button. Yeah, it's just holding back. It's correctly switching between standing and crouching block. Um, <laughs> but it's also that they mention in this show the absolute defense field, which sounds a lot like the AT absolute terror field in... You guys know which show I'm talking about? Evangelion. Evangelion. No, what, Seinfeld. Did he rip himself off? No. Um, oh. You're right. Robocop. Robocop, the TV show, which does exist. It's called Robocop Prime Directive. I've never seen it. Don't want to. Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice, the animated show. Um, Yeah, so yeah, it just does ridiculous stuff. It uses a cape to block stuff in a very silly animation. It's just like, it's just fun. It's just... It is a... It's fun. And I don't know why the alien ship has a power where it just reconnects itself because it gets split in half and then it's like, and we're coming back together and it just tries to slam (laughs) shut on on the gun buster, but it gets gun busted. Mm. Um, And then, yeah, episode five... Wait, before we get there, just like this episode oh yeah wait that is the episode we're talking about is episode five uh yeah right well i just wanted to say that this episode ends with they go visit coach in the space hospital and he's still alive because they're like upset that they know that like um how many years like 50 like oh no it's like it's a six months will pass it's right six months, during but this he, time. He, because he's sick he only he has he has a very short time left to live yeah but he's alive and and one sama goes to the hospital and says i love you and i guess he dies at some point after that He does because in episode six he's not there but they get married first is that true yeah there's like pictures of their wedding day oh okay because we started episode six last did you not get invited oh no that oh man (laughs) oh this is Um, awkward but yeah if you if you look at the grave in episode six uh it says 2033 so i think that this uh episode five is in 2032 and he doesn't die. They make it back in time. Because mm-hmm. a lot of this show is about time dilation. And that something, something, further out in space, time moves more slowly than it seems to on Earth or something. Gravity bends time. So as they like leave and come back, it's only a little bit of time for them. But on Earth, a lot of shit has moved on. Mm-hmm. So they make it back. I guess they get married. And then he dies like the next year in 2033. Um. Episode That's six is, is it is sad, but uh, you know it's still the happiest possible way that could go. Once we know he's sick, I mean, like mm-hmm. it would be really ridiculous if they were coming back and they were like, "We found the cure to space radiation yeah. on that mm. explosion or it's something." It's a space miracle. So you know, it's like the show could have been a real downer and been like, "That's right, you saved Earth, you saved everyone, but he did die." Instead, they they did give us the nice bit like. She did get to say I love you and he did accept it despite being twice as old as her probably at least mm-hmm. and they get married and that's nice. Um, and then she gets a cool haircut. In episode six, everything is black and white. It's 15 years later. It's 2048. And it's widescreen. Yeah, so that's the thing is I'm a little conf- 
confused about what format this was in because it was it seemed like it was in widescreen at some point and then the blu-ray that came out a few years ago well not a, a fucking 10 years ago they they had an unmatted m-a-t-t-e-d unmatted version of episode six so i guess that's something they recovered so i don't know why this was widescreen for us as well but yeah we saw a widescreen black and white show i i I think some people think that the black and white is for style purposes. I don't think so. I think combined with the really rough missing animation later on, they just ran out of money. They didn't have time or budget to color in stuff. I mean, I liked it. I think it made it feel like, like an old timey war movie. But yeah, the fact that it turned into just crappy drawings for a long time is a giveaway. There's like a battle sequence where it's just sketches yeah. and they're like bending the the film, I guess. They're just putting on these effects in post. Mm-hmm. They're spinning the camera into it and they have like really upbeat music. But you can't help but be like, we should be seeing this. We should at least mm-hmm. be seeing random shots of ships blowing up. Stylistically, I liked it though. It, yeah, it was, it was a good, cool. it was a good, like they did the best with what they had. Mm. You know, they, they also could have just left sketches on there and been like, this is what we tried to do. Like, well, <laughs> they did their best with what they had. Um, but uh, yeah, it's now like, so Amano Onesama has stayed on earth for a little mm-hmm. while. So, so she's uh, gotten it's been to six age. months for the crew of the, she's gotten to age. Finally, it's been yeah, 15 years, 15 years. So she should be 32 or 33 at this point so then she's uh going to she goes to the um the school again Mm -hmm. where we see that in episode four we found out that the ugly and evil anime girl um (laughs) ugly (laughs) that she actually became i like how that's like i don't know the way we talk about her now is she's the ugly one well that's what you did so that is what that is my that's 100 my fault (laughs) she she becomes not ugly and she's like a teacher at the school yeah she's pretty she's still a little bit ugly what's that miles she's still a little ugly i don't like her okay okay i thought she grew up to be pretty which (laughs) and that was only after the 10 year jump and now 15 years on top of that now she's the principal yeah Um, oh yeah and there's this weird conversation it seems like they're going like I don't know why Onesama's going oh, around and meeting Onesama's people. Onesama's the new coach. Right. She's, she's taking the, the place of coach um, for the Top Gun Space Karate Kick Academy. Mm-hmm. And there's this weird conversation where the blonde guy is like, yeah, I don't know if we should really blow up and genocide because the plan now is to detonate a giant black hole bomb in the Bugs galaxy and just eradicate it's, the it's whole race. It's the Milky Way galaxy. Wait, they're going to destroy the Milky Way? Yeah, like it would totally destabilize the Milky Way. Oh, I didn't catch that. That's why he was unsure about it. <laughs> oh, I thought he was saying like, um, I don't know if we should do that. Like if they're going to attack us, like wouldn't it just be better to lay down and accept it? Um, which to me suggests that there's no middle way where you can be like, well, let's defend ourselves as best we can. But... I don't know. I thought they were going to go blow them up. Now I'm now I'm curious. They're going to blow them up, but like they live Also, I should in... have mentioned that the voice actor for Noriko also is the little girl character Wait, in what? Bao. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead, Miles. Uh, the I I think I remember that uh, that that's why it's such a gamble because like they don't know what effect it will have on our own galaxy, but that's where all the aliens are. 
Well, I have the plot summary up. Da, da, da. Also, they now have uh, their new ship is called the Eltrium, which also uses a obsolete Kana. I've, I mentioned it on our Twitter a bunch. The whole deal with Ano and using Kana that are obsoleted in Japanese. But they also have mobile suits called Sizzlers. The Black Sizzler, White <laughs> Sizzler, and Silver Sizzler. And all I could think about is the chain restaurant, The Sizzler, that's in like Western United States. Think of like Chili's. Western. Isn't it? Isn't it like a California thing? Maybe now. Growing up, we used to go to Sizzler all the time. It was my mom's favorite restaurant. They had a amazing cheap buffet and we would just go. Where was, was the great. Sizzler? They had one in like Sea Caucus. Oh. oh. Shout out to Sea Caucus, New Jersey. You smell like piss. Some people Secaucus. also say Sea Caucus, but <sighs> I've always said Sea Caucus. I think either way is I think Sea Caucus is correct. Anyway, th- there was a Sizzler. There was a Sizzler there, and we used to go there all the time. It was my mom's favorite. The only time like we went out to eat was to go to Sizzler because it was mad cheap, and there was a buffet, so we just kept going and just like loading up on food and stuffing our faces. Nice. Yeah. Sizzler! And we went actually, um, I don't know when the last time. We, on our way down to Florida, um, growing up, basically from the time I was like, a baby to somewhere after graduating college. I used my parents would drive us all as a family down to Miami every year. Um, and w- one of the last trips that we did, this is like an 18 hour trip, but one of the last trips that we did down to Miami, we found a sizzler. And so we were like, Oh, let's stop and eat at the sizzler. And it was not good. <laughs> I was like, oh, because like now, I, now I've like eaten at better restaurants. So yeah. it could also be regional. Sometimes it's just better. And yeah, was places. it at like a rest stop? It was. I mean, it's a restaurant. It, I don't know where it was. I guess it was. It might have been near a rest stop. It might have been near a hotel because we 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 have like an overnight, you know, because we because it's a long trip. So usually we wake up early in the morning. And then somewhere in like North Florida, we or or Georgia, we'd um, stay at a hotel. So it must have been in like North Florida or Georgia, ish, where we found this Sizzler. But it was not good. I've had even better buffets. It was like cold. There were flies. Oh God. Yeah, it wasn't good. Well, in the meantime, these robots are named after that Sizzler. Yeah, they oh, really wow. measure. Well, <laughs> apparently scissors are like manned ships that are as big as the Gunbuster. So they might not be able to take apart and shoot lasers and have capes, but they're that big. They're not like the tiny dumbass robots they used to have. Um, Miles, I'm confirming that you were correct. It is in the Milky Way galaxy, but it's at the aliens yes. location. And I found a script for Gunbuster. Um, and it's basically they took one of the moons of Jupiter and they crushed it into the size of the moon. And that somehow is a bomb. I don't a black hole is formed by a star dying, whatever. And um, they lost three planets in the solar system already just to yeah. make the bomb. And the guy says, this time the plan is to consume the space monster's entire home territory together with the core of the galaxy. Does mankind have the right to do something like that to kill the galaxy? Hmm. If we don't, it's mankind who die. This is a conversation between yeah. the blonde guy and Kazumi. Uh, if that's our fate, shouldn't we just lie down and accept it? I feel it would be better for us to do nothing. That would be tantamount to be suicide. Blah, blah, blah. 
So I think even despite now having a clearer understanding of what was said, it feels a little bit like justification for using the atom bomb in World mm-hmm. War II. Did anyone else feel those kind of vibes? Right? Where like the uh, allies... So. But it doesn't feel as, like it doesn't feel as existential because like it well i don't know i have no idea if the aliens are really going to come to earth but like they seem much like i feel like the war i don't want to relitigate the atom bomb but it no it we're going to do does it. feel like the the war was going to be won anyway even if we hadn't used the atom bomb correct Whereas no, no, you're right this time it felt like we would ne- the humans would never win unless they did this well i think the idea is that probably when they were going to use the atom bomb, that is what the Allies made everyone believe, was that like if the Axis wins, if Japan does whatever it wants, if Germany does whatever it wants, then the world is over, right? Like That's kind of the idea, is they're going to conquer all of us, and we're going to be speaking mm-hmm. two cooler languages. No. Um, and so it, it was like an apocalypse kind of thing, and they also probably had to come up with something to justify using the atom bomb, besides the american standard of being like well a lot more people would die if we did a ground invasion uh which is bullshit we use the atom bomb to, sh- to scare the soviets and the communists into being like holy shit look at that thing they have um and then we just did a pissing contest about that for decades it was great i uh, i'm glad that i didn't really see it uh but it's when this show uh ended you know mm. the show was 89 and that's when the soviet union uh ended is that a coincidence mm. i don't know <laughs> but i don't know it felt weird to me but then yeah at the same time in this show it is a little bit more lol black and white um where it seems like the stakes are literally like we might die anyway it's more definite but uh it's just sort of like anyway we're right we're gonna go use the black hole there's no episode seven where it's like oh my god we're destabilized and ah and the bugs had feelings well i met one of the bugs finally and it was like why did you blow us up you never meet the bugs. <laughs> you know where you do meet the bugs? Where? Well. Oh my God, where? The Ender's Game series, for one. And kind of Starship Troopers, but I, I will not bring up that movie again. I'm sorry. You always bring it up. Yeah. This is a Paul Verhoeven podcast, secretly. <laughs> um, Has he done any anime? No, but he should. Mm. Um, I... I think it's funny that we've commented on their having like no pants in the lady pilot outfits. Mm-hmm. Even after there's a 10 year gap, they still have no pants. Yeah. And then 15 mm-hmm. years later, when Onesama Kazumi is getting ready to fly and meet Noriko for the first time in a long time, she has like a giant booby window shirt on. It's like, she looks like, mm-hmm. it's like that's, imagine, I don't even, <laughs> sorry, so many thoughts. It's like, it's like, it's like she's going clubbing or something with this like <laughs> black, like sexy, tight thing with like, you know, uh, like her, I don't know, like a big, just like skin in the middle in like a diamond shape. It's like she's going clubbing, but like this is the uniform that they gave her for work. Like, yeah. Well, clearly. <laughs> she's like, like, what? Like, I'm not like a waitress at a strip club or something you know <laughs> I, I i did take note that in the war room they did have a lady 
which I thought was cool to see because it was otherwise it was all men yeah. in the previous episodes. Yeah. But yeah, it's definitely men being like, uh, to properly interface with the gunbuster controls, you have to be half naked at yeah, all times. Yeah, you can't wear pants and you need like room in the boob area. Yeah. <laughs> or, or the leg and butt area. Yeah. And he's, he's giving a presentation with a full erection in front of a projector. <laughs> His boner is obscuring half the text on the PowerPoint slide. Um, but it's, yeah, it's very dumb. And then of course we, you know, they do pair up even though Noriko is only aged six months. Kazumi is aged 15 fucking years. They do, uh, they are happy to see each other. Um, and, uh, they join up and they're escorting this giant bomb. And of course the bomb doesn't fucking work and they end up having to go in and, and use part of their ship to blow up the inside of the bomb to get it started, mm-hmm. uh, which makes it seem like once again, Noriko is trying to kamikaze, you know, to die for the cause. Um, and she rips off her shirt. Yeah. So they go in together because Kazumi's <laughs> like, you can't go alone. We're going to go together. But then she's like, and I'll pull you out and we'll go. We'll go back. So I thought I was like, why do multiple people have to kill themselves mm. to the fact to where uh, young Freud, the German Soviet girl is like i'm gonna die too and they're like oh we're not gonna die you don't have to do this young freud by the way sounds like do you think that's a good rapper name for for a a young female rapper i would have to listen at least once to see (laughs) if they go into psychoanalysis like yo you think about your dad's dick all the time (laughs) a cigar sometimes is just a cigar you don't have to fly very far um little freud Young Freud. And the way they misspell Freud, by the way, is, is froid, which is uh, French for cold. And I don't think she's cold at all. Mm. Uh, I think she's really hot-blooded, actually. Anyway. Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, so they combine to go in there and activate the thing. And Young Freud almost dies. She goes down there, and they're mm-hmm. like, your ship can't deal with these pressures. And this, it like starts to cave in. Yeah. And then she's like, but if I leave, like if you guys go in there, you might not come back for decades or hundreds of years. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting because that is similar to dying. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone you know mm-hmm. is going to be gone. Yeah. You'll be gone from them. Mm-hmm. They know that you succeeded, but they don't know if you survive. Yeah. Uh, and she leaves and she's sad that she doesn't get to see her friends, despite like mostly abusing them when she sees them on the, <laughs> the show. But she's she's nice. She's, she's just, competitive, but like she's they're, they're They're her friend. She does slap uh, Onesama in the face. When they're preparing for the mission. I thought Onesama slapped her. But why? Her. No, no, no. She slaps Onesama because <laughs> oh. she, and she gives her the key to the gunbuster machine too or something. And she's oh, like, you always get what I want. First coach and now the gunbuster. Mm. And uh, then she somehow gets ahead of her because they're like flying through this tunnel. And she's like, anyway, I'll see you out there. And she zooms ahead. But they don't have like boosters on. So I don't know how she did that. It's just like. She's just stronger. If you attack someone, you get more speed. <laughs> um. And uh, when we were watching episode six and they're getting close to the center, I was like, I hope we get to hear Noriko yell again because we heard her do it Mm. twice already. And we do. But what were you saying, Jackie? Not only do you get to hear her yell, she yells so much that she rips her shirt and just pops her titty out. Yeah. When she rips her shirt, it looks like it breaks a part of the robot too. And the robot looks like it has like a, a rib cage. Yes. What's that about? Is this, is this robot like made out of like human like organic material that reminds me of a different it's show. actually an angel it's an Evo- well, <laughs> evangelion yeah right, too. i mean right n- not too many spoilers for evangelion but they do have parts that make you think they are not just robots mm-hmm. and yeah so that rib cage being shown there i mean i don't know we have all the blu-ray stuff so there are like these extra contents maybe they'll tell us about how they stuffed a moon and a skeleton into 
uh, just like 40,000 dead Jupiter aliens. They're like, we discovered all these aliens, but uh, we didn't want to tell you because we thought mm-hmm. you'd be upset that we used them to make a bomb. But all their skeletons are in there. The, this was like the Ev episode where they're going down into the volcano too. Yes. They're descending into that uh, that lava. Lava angel is down there. But were they together or no? It, uh, maybe it was just Shinji. Or like one of them loses connection and we're worried they're going to burn up, of course. Obviously, that's going to be the suspense in a volcano episode. Um, so yeah, this show does like a great job of making me at least wonder. It's like, God, it would suck ass to just be out there doing stuff. And like, it's the worst kind of FOMO. The fear of missing out is like, you're just doing something and being like, fuck, six months just passed on earth. Everyone else is moving on (laughs) and becoming an adult. And I'm out here dicking around with robots that Mm -hmm. have capes. Um, and it's like, even if you could visit once a month, you know, if you were, if they were like, you can leave this place and go back to earth, you'd still show up and people would just be so different. They'd like, everyone would keep moving way ahead of you. Um, but their mission is really important. Um, and, uh, you know, God, if these tapes are 35 bucks for two episodes, don't you think they'd see some of this black and white, some of the sketches and, demand their money back the last few minutes are like it is an important like moment showing the earth light up with a message but it does just sit there staring at it while the music plays for too long maybe Mm -hmm. this tape should have been like 28 dollars or something i'm just saying yeah um yeah she gets a noriko at some point i think that's a fair price yeah 28 bucks easy noriko gets a message from her old friend that's like i'll be dead by the time you're back but if you come back fast enough you can meet you know, you can see my daughter again, whom you mm-hmm. briefly met when she was three years old and she was able to speak in full sentences. I don't really know how old kids are supposed to be when they can do that, but felt a little fast. Um, and so when they when they succeed and they blow up the bomb and we see everyone, uh, we see the captain seems thankful and is like, okay, everyone retreat. They started blowing up the bomb. The next title card, it, like fades to black, it says 12,000 years later. Yeah. Which Yikes. not what I was expecting. <laughs> Way more. <laughs> Way more. <laughs> I was thinking like, because again, they had once or twice had these moments where it's like, oh, you you know, they had the one moment where it's like, coach, I might be dead. And they get back and it's in the nick of time. He's still alive. But, you know, so I was like, maybe they'll come back 20 years later and they mm-hmm. do get to see people in their deathbeds or something. Or or at le- like what I thought was, I thought that she'd come back and, and at least like uh, see... Kimiko's daughter right but like as an old lady and so there'd be somebody who like remembered them you know right um, oh and we should say that the that young Freud says to them she's like all right I'm getting out of this fucking bomb but when you whenever you guys come back I'll be waiting and I'll say welcome back mm. I'll say okairi nasai mm. um, and so they come back 12,000 years later they're in the gunbuster. it's really fucked up because to detonate it yeah the ripping of the chest is uh she had to rip the robot's chest open to get the engine out. Yeah. But it is weird that she ripped her own chest and a tit popped out. We also, I don't think we really talked about how like for no reason their boobs just come out of their shirts. Like I think this happened the most in episode five where she's just like laying around like tumbling in her bed and like her <laughs> just like because her shirt is loose and her boobs just like are, you know, you just get to see 
like so when even like when she plops down on the bed you see it like kind of parachute and you see you get it like a you get flashed a little bit it's like it's, this is unnecessary for like the mood of what we're watching i think i mean it's it's like a fun show whatever but it's like i don't know <laughs> it, it feels totally it, it feels totally unnecessary. It's, out, it's out of place it's not just like i'm fine with nudity but it's it, it feels like what the fuck this doesn't it's like kind of takes so you gratuitous. it takes you out of the, it takes you out of it a little a bit. little bit and it, it I do wonder, did like maybe someone low on the production team like burst into the office and was like, I'm sorry, I know it's not my place, but I've been graphing our titties per minute and we're way down in the middle of this show. <laughs> Too low. So we have to compensate and just get a bunch more tits in there. And they were like, we can throw them in episode five a bunch. I wonder if there's like a rating thing. Like, you know how um, movies that if they're going to be like PG-13, they like will add some shit to it to make it rated R because that is like more marketable to teenagers <laughs> who aren't really allowed to watch rated R, but they will, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And you're allowed um, to say like one fuck in PG 13. Yeah. Like sometimes there's rules like that, but maybe they realize like this is an OVA. It's going straight to home. So yeah. let's just throw a lot of tits in it. Yeah. But like, I'm wondering if like that was like part of the appeal, like we can market it to people if it's, you know, if we can put, you know, excessive nudity or something on the label <laughs> or whatever <laughs> yeah i i did a little bit of reading i didn't go down the whole rabbit hole about the ova market and it was basically like in the 80s everyone had a vcr in japan at some point and demand for anime was so huge that people like couldn't wait for anime to come on tv they would just go to video stores and buy it and they were like we should just make tv for people who are willing to get up and go to a store for it but yeah that's why that one Gundam show had titties in the end credits and stuff it's just like because we can but I yeah, wonder also the back half of this felt like what else is going on guys was there was there a was there boobs in every episode I don't I feel know. like there might have been hmm I feel interesting like they might have done it in every episode just I think what Game of Thrones does <laughs> that's what that's, that, it's like their black cat from Trigon is just boobs yeah we're like spot the boobs in this episode where are they um that's okay though it didn't really bother me <laughs> it yeah. just it just seems out of place but i'm i'm not mad about it whatever especially in episode t- six that was because it was this you were big... about to say episode tits <laughs> Did you say episode tits? i was about to say episode tits i'm afraid so <laughs> i don't know if i can make that the name of this episode um no the name of this episode <laughs> is top gun busters oh i was thinking the sizzler uh i'll All figure right, it fine. out um but uh, it did kind of ruin the emotion emotions of it. Um, even though we already saw her do it once or twice, just to hear her go wow and and you know put a big bomb inside a thing, it uh, was cool. But then I was also like, whoa, a titty! What the fuck? What the <laughs> hell? I'm just sitting there thinking like, well, only one titty popped out. So did she not really have to do that? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> um, but then I also saw ribs, and I was like, what? Am I at the Sizzler right now? <laughs> I want some ribs. <laughs> Um, the ending anyway is there's 12,000 years later they're in the really fucked up they're in the bustered up gun buster and uh, they're like okay there's earth they're still somehow traveling and they look at earth and they're like what's it like I don't see any lights I can't tell where Okina- Okinawa is right they're looking to see if they could spot Japan mm. uh, which that seems ill-advised um, but there's no lights and they're like did mankind not survive and then slowly a bunch of city lights come on and it says in very basic japanese in the kana it says okaidi mm. which means like welcome back except the last characters actually flipped backwards so i guess the idea is that like these future humans like technically they they forgot japanese they don't use it anymore mm. but like 
it's not like young Freud is on there still alive and is like, finally, they're here to see me. Mm-hmm. So she clearly like passed the message down. Yeah. But 12,000 years is enough that like they are now a religious event. Mm-hmm. So in my mind, this is like the Messiah is coming mm-hmm. back to them. Mm-hmm. And whatever humans are, I think they're just like a bunch of like, they're like black sand that just drifts, you know, among each other at this point in time they've evolved to be mm. like weird or something now they're like they look like slender man or something yeah it's bad it's not good <laughs> because it's different and weird to us mm-hmm. we get like a brief overview of the earth and it has like looks like there's a big island in the middle of the ocean that has like bridges connecting to it but yeah it, it almost feels like they pranked them because they get out there <laughs> yeah. and all the lights are off it's, it's not- like they turn off all the lights for the whole earth it it's like a surprise party. <laughs> they try to make you like think you they forgot about your birthday. Yeah, but instead it's like but they want they didn't. They, instead it's like make you think that you know humans the, are dead. Uh, the whole planet is dead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's like young Freud went back and was like, I want to give them an epic welcome back, but I don't know how to do it. And so she like carved into tablets, like stone tablets, like this procedure for writing welcome back on the earth exactly 12,000 years away and then she buried them and like mm-hmm. called local news and it turned into a religion you know it was like QAnon or something uh, or Mormonism right. and they built a religion out of it and I worry about them when they actually land on earth I, I, I don't know what it's going to be like for them because I think we know in 12,000 years if we're not just totally dead you're not going to be able to breathe mm-hmm. on earth they're going to get out of that gun buster and, and just die they didn't know that in 88. Well, um, how, I know that. How did they know, like, like, how did they know down to the date when they would be back? You know what I mean? To have that, like, okay, okay, guys, they're coming, they're coming, everyone turn the lights out, you know? Well, they do. <laughs> it's something where two red lights shoot out of the gunbuster and, like, go towards the earth. Uh-huh. So I guess it's some kind of But that signal. was after. That was after. Was it after? Yeah. Yeah, you're was- right, because she cries. Yeah. Okay. So it's possible that they're so huge that maybe they create like an eclipse of some kind, you know, or mm. they, the technology that far in the future, maybe there's something yeah. that detects the shape of a fucked up gunbuster. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it does mean that there's someone like who routed a shit ton of lights or, or commands that like when they get here, someone's going to flip the switch. And for like millennia or hundreds of years, Someone's been like, can we take down the welcome back sign protocol? It's costing taxpayers millions of dollars. <laughs> the robot has not shown up, but uh, someone kept it going. And thank God. And that's how the show ends. We don't get to see 12,000 years into the future, unfortunately. No. Because they ran out of money. We, we don't get to see what those future titties look like. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um. She has to gr- greet them all with one titty exposed. And they just think it's that's true. how it was back in 2000. I really thought I really thought she would find her dad in space mm. before the show ended, but I guess not. I thought that into like episode two or so, but then once they started to shift priorities and mm-hmm. about mankind and stuff, I I kind of forgot about him. Mm. Um, yeah, this is a good show. I liked it. It makes me want to look at the rest of the Gainax catalog. Like, I want to see the wings of Oneamis, the wings of Honey Mayonnaise that. Mostly I want to see it because the soundtrack is by Ryuichi Sakamoto, who is amazing. Um, but yeah, I wonder what other Gainax stuff would make me go, ah, yes, Evangelion. <laughs> um, 
but I've, it's the same. But no, I mean, I'm definitely also like, I don't, I haven't seen fucking early Gundam, Macross, Space Galaxy Express, or whatever the fuck it's called, Battleship Yamoto. I don't know. So, you know, that's like the one Rosetta Stone I have is Evangelion. But Gynax is, uh, they do interesting stuff. They, uh, they're interesting. And uh, I like them. I hope we get a proper release of this so I can stop telling people to steal it. Um, so I'm not recommending anyone watches this in 480p or whatever the fuck DVD outputs. Anyway. I hope we get a proper release of the latest Eva. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What's up with Has anyone watched Evangelion 4.0 or should I say 1.0 plus 3.0 equals question mark? Um, Cause yeah, I want to, I want us to cover it, but I don't know if we should until everyone has easy access to it. Mm. Yeah. That'll, that'll be also emotional. I'm sure for more emotions, tune in next week. Um, anybody have any uh, other thoughts lingering about what, what one weird thing was that they showed how much time had passed on earth inside the cockpit. Like that just seems to be a sad distraction. I don't know if you want your pilots to know that everyone they know is aging and dying. Yeah, it kind of seemed like I-, I thought maybe Noriko set up that view, but yeah, I was like, this is a stupid idea. That's the FOMO thing. <laughs> yeah. Just being like, yeah, they could have had alerts pop out and just be like, your friend died. Uh, your friend had kids. Uh, they're all talking shit about you. Mm. Uh, they're at a party that no one told you about uh, 10 years later, and she's just staring at it. Mm. It was like, oh God, please don't be another breakdown in this show. <laughs> um <laughs> But uh, yeah, you know, that's the kind of thing, even though we talked about time dilation, I think maybe when we were talking about Gunbuster the first time, it's the kind of thing I never thought about as much until this show. Maybe I used to read sci-fi as a kid and I forgot it all. That's probably it. Anyway, thanks for listening, everyone. That's going to do it for us on Gunbuster. Uh, Two weeks ago, we watched the first half. So for some reason, you're listening to all of this and didn't know that. Go to anchor.fm slash jjbpod. You can find out about all the animes we watched, but to look forward into the future next week, we will be watching the first three episodes of Code Geass. Uh, something that people have recommended to us numerous times. So the first three eps of Code Geass. It's everywhere. It's on Netflix and Hulu, especially. Uh, thank you for listening. We're on Twitter as well, at JJBPod. Our Patreon is patreon.com slash JJBPod. Have a good week and... Always remember to double check before uh, throwing your life at a cause. Bye. Bye. Bye.